0: This is Season 2, Episode 11, and you're listening to Pocket Change. Hi! Welcome back to my podcast. I'm Zoya, your host, and you're listening to The Black Sprout. This week, we are talking about the gender wage gap. So, this episode was sort of inspired by a conversation that I was having with somebody. And so, one of the things that had come up in our conversation was about... uh, the gender wage gap and whether I believed it was a thing or not. And so automatically I'd obviously said that the gender wage gap is a thing and I truly believe it and that it's a nuanced conversation and that I think that um, there's enough evidence and research out there that shows it's real. Um, At the time, I didn't really have have the numbers at the top of my head to like spout off, but I was truly inspired by the conversation because I was like after talking with this individual, my opinions didn't change about the gender wage gap, but I thought that clearly this is a conversation that like needs to be had and understood. So no. When we're talking about the gender pay gap, we're not saying that if I walked into, you know, um, a fast food chain and you walk into a fast food chain, we handed in our resumes, we had everything the same, you, because you're a man, Um, would get paid more than I would because I'm a woman. But what we are talking about is the way that historically, um, you know, the gender pay gap has affected gender. (laughs) And also the way that It's a nuanced conversation. And so what are different roles that society is placing on individuals? What are the expectations? What are the fields that people are being pushed towards? And why are people in certain jobs and certain areas being paid less? And more importantly, if we have, and we don't have often all the time, but if we have the government of Ontario literally saying that there is a pay discrepancy between genders, then maybe we have a pay discrepancy between gender. Right. Like our biggest conversation and fight to figure out inequities is about having the research, having data and having, you know, tangible evidence to show people that these things are real, because it seems easy to say that there's no such thing as a gender wage gap when, like I said, you know, you go to a fast food restaurant and I go to a fast food restaurant. But when we're talking about, you know, managerial jobs and like CEO level positions and whatnot, and when we're talking about promotions and progression, who are the people that we're seeing reflected? I mean, it's as simple as that. So let's start with what is it? Generally, the gender pay gap is referring to the difference in average earning of people based on gender, right? So it is widely recognized that there are gender inequities and that it exists across industries and professional levels, okay? So it's not necessarily one industry, it's not one profession, it's across the board, right? So there are different ways of measuring this gap. So no matter how you measure it, it's one thing is pretty common that there's a gap right? Whether it's 1% or 14%, there's that gap. And where are we really seeing these differences? I I think when I was doing my research and, you know, trying to come up with some sort of response to what is the gender pay gap, what we were really seeing is that this discrepancy is happening um, when it's related to work and field of study, right? Career advancement, opportunities, and time allotted to unpaid care and domestic work, right? So those are sort of the main areas. So for years, there was a large difference in education levels between men and women, right? So typically, men and women were choosing different career paths. Typically, men and women were seeking out different levels of education. Typically, men and women were geared in different ways, right? And that's honestly because of the heteronormative expectations that are often placed on men and women. Women are supposed to be caregivers and nurturers and tend to the home. Men are supposed to go collect the bread and butter, hunter-gatherer. No, I'm joking. Um, but, you know, we were saying, for instance, women need to go into teaching and men are supposed to be engineers. And as someone who has a friend who's literally studying to be an engineer, thank God we have women in these spaces. Just saying. Anyway. Nowadays, the gender gap is evident among leadership and managerial jobs, okay? So we're talking about, you know, many women taking on a lot of unpaid labor and unpaid emotional labor, right? So what does that mean? What does it look like? Unpaid labor, we all are familiar with the word unpaid. <laughs> we are. But labor in this case is honestly any form of exertion. Right, like I think we see a lot of those jokes on social media where it's like you want me to go to work and then come home and like make dinner, and you know the the um, husband and like a heteronormative couple is like, "What's for dinner?" And the woman's like, I-, "I literally just got in, unpaid labor, you know, the laundry. Who's doing the laundry in your house? And maybe you are as a man, and maybe you aren't as a man, <laughs> but who's doing that, right?" Who is completing that task? Who is completing, you know, dinner? Who's doing the dishes? Who's doing the vacuuming? Who's maintaining the upkeep of your living space, okay? Now let's talk about emotional labor. You know, when you have children, and I don't have any children, okay, thank God, but I have worked in a lot of Different spaces where I have worked with children and I've had children rely on me and I've worked very closely with them. And so, one of the tasks, as much as it's fun to work with kids and they literally tell you the funniest things and you have great stories and you know it's crazy to see how their mind works, one thing you can say without a doubt is they can be draining. Okay, the conversations you're having, explaining things, right? Not only is you know. It one thing to have words leave your mouth but it is another to have them leave your mouth in a way that like somebody else is going to understand and it is another thing to have words leave your mouth and be understandable to somebody who's you know only been on the world on this earth I mean for like three years okay this is a slight slight sidetrack but I still think it's kind of interesting Um, I think that's why I have a little more grace when it comes to, like, children and understanding what it's like to experience emotion, right? When you're experiencing something for the first time, you know, it does feel like it's the end of the world, okay? Your first heartbreak, your first failure on a test, I mean, obviously it depends on what are the things that matter to you, but, like, think about something that mattered to you and it not coming out with the outcome you expected or you wanted or you were told was supposed to happen. And we are having these many humans, okay, these many people, you know, having to go through the world and experience things for the first time. And yet sometimes we react to them in ways that is like, why don't you know this already? Why do you feel this? This isn't the end of the world. It quite literally may be the end of their world, Okay. The scope, where they've been, what they know, may only be your neighborhood. And so it really may be the end of the world to them. And yet we're sitting here getting so upset. And so I think even that, you know, is something that we should apply to us as we're getting older. I mean, I'm in my 20s and so some of these experiences that I'm having aren't necessarily there for the first time. It might be my second and third time experiencing it now, but it was that understanding that I have been through this, I will overcome. This too shall pass. This too shall pass. Um is what's gotten me through situations. And so when we're talking about emotional labor, just think about the effort that it takes to interact with the people around you. Think about the effort that it takes to navigate this world. Navigating the world with other people in it can be draining, right? It can take a lot of work. It can take effort. And there are responsibilities that you may have in life that aren't ones that are very well noticed. You don't get much acknowledgement for it and you don't get paid for it. And yet you're still expected to do it and make the world go round right? And so for women, a lot of the times they are the ones taking on these roles in which they are receiving little to no compensation for, right? And they get little to no recognition. Food is on the table. Thank God we have a mom and leave it at that. When you think about these holidays and who's completing them, we just had Thanksgiving. Who? Typically, I mean, like, obviously, there's going to be the outlier. There are going to be families that are like, now my father actually does all the cooking. My mother would burn water if she could. I, yay, your dad cooks. But, like, that is not historically what happens. That is not how, you know, gender norms are often placed. So I think something else that's kind of important to mention, and I haven't said this word in a while, but... Intersectionality, guys, okay? When it comes to the gender pay gap, yes, obviously, the gender pay gap, it's literally in the title. Gender is a huge factor of how you're getting paid. But something else that is impacting the way that wages are, you know, divided and given is also race, economic status, and ability, right? Impacts are full-time versus part-time, public versus private sector. And one thing else I thought that was very interesting is that 70% of the gap is left unexplained, okay? We like just don't know. The same way we like don't know how eels reproduce, we just don't know why. Um, The little we do know is that it's due to gender discrimination and society, expectations and constraints. Now, this is what I think is the part where it's like, it is hard to tell a story without having tangible records, evidence and information, right? 70% we know that this thing is here and yet and we know that it's due to gender discrimination but we don't know how to explain it right we know that it's based on society expectations and constraints but we don't have the information it's as simple as this we believe that certain people should play certain parts in society and we are surprised when they don't we believe that certain people need to take up certain spaces and when you know Push comes to shove, we normally shove our regulars in the spots. And so I'm going to give us some stats. Okay. The UN Human Rights Committee of 2015 raised concerns about persisting inequities between men and women in Canada. Yes, guys, I finally brought an episode that is Canada focused. More importantly, this is Ontario focused. So on average, women make 89 cents um, to every dollar a man makes. And this research was pulled from 2021, right? So this has narrowed down um like the gap about 8% from 1998, where it used to be women were making 81 cent for every dollar that a man was making. So disproportionately affecting low-income women, racialized women and indigenous women, okay? So remember before earlier when I was saying that, you know, yeah, it's gender, but it's also race, uh, class and ability. Yeah. This is where we're seeing those numbers say, hey, if you happen to be a racialized woman or a low-income woman, you are probably going to feel the brunt of this gap, this wage gender gap. So literally, I read the report, okay? What it said about, you know, the gender gap in Canada is this. The committee is concerned about the persisting inequities between women and men. In particular, the committee is concerned about, A, the high level of the pay gap, which is more pronounced in some provinces such as Alberta and Nova Scotia and disproportionately affects low-income women in particular minority and indigenous women. B. The fact that the legislation related to equal pay differs at the federal, provincial and territorial level and for the public and private sector and does not exist in some provinces. The underrepresentation of women in leadership positions in the public and private sector and D, the failure to enforce or ensure employment equity in the private sector across the country. It further regrets that the state party has not yet adopted regulations to implement the Public Sector Equitable Compensation Act. So what does that mean? The UN, Human Rights Committee, literally says that women are not being paid fairly, okay, across the board, There are a lot of differences, whether it's federal, provincial, or territorial, okay? What they're also saying is if you are racialized and low income, you are definitely feeling this. And more importantly, some provinces aren't even providing information about this. And when there isn't, I just like to say where there's smoke, there's fire, okay? There's flames, things are burning. Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development. This was a study done in 2012 that shows that on average the pay gap between men and women grow by 22% within families with more or one or more children. This is the time that those offsprings, aka the spawns, are really um, messing with your money. Okay? So compared to 7%, you're like feeling a 22% percent difference in your pay stub when you got kids. And considering the fact that having kids means you need more money, that's actually crazy, right? So think about the ways that, you know, your money already is being taken up when you have children. So childcare is taking up a significant portion of one's wages. So the Canadian Center for Policy Alternatives, you know, the government loves their acronym CCPA, calculated that of the more than 1,200 named executive officers at 249 public traded companies in Canada, women earned about 68 cents for every dollar made by their male counterparts, okay? This gap means that on average, men are making about 950,000 more annually than women in similar executive positions. Now, one thing I will tell you and the girlies who know, they know. I'm not great with math, but if somebody is making $950,000 more than me, I think I would see that. I think I would start looking at my pay stubs and having some anger. Okay, the 50 cents here, the 20 cents there, maybe I didn't notice it because, like I said, not great at that math. $950,000? That's a lot of money. So, few women are CEOs. I feel like we kind of know that already, even though we like to pretend that like, well, maybe they're just not picking these roles. Whatever, okay? Few women are CEOs. Companies that do have women, you know, a large majority of their executive ranks being women, they have smaller budgets. Okay, they're smaller companies, they're smaller organizations. About 4% of Canadian CEOs and the top 10% of top, top executives are women. Those numbers are too small for me, okay? Insensitives like performance pay is often given to top executives. And if we're only seeing 10% or even 4% of the CEOs, but 10% of top executives being women, how would they ever be able to make up for this gap, right? So okay, yeah, we're not paying you more because you're a man. We're paying you more because you know you're performing well. We're paying all the people who perform well extra money. But if I'm not part, only 10% of women are in those positions. How would you ever get even, you know, the opportunity to have that, right? And women are... Tend to work less hours. We talked about the emotional labor. I think about you know growing up and having my mom uh, have to like drive me here, there, and everywhere. And she, at the time, she happened to have a job that like kind of allowed for that. But if you're working less hours, you're getting paid less. And I think it's really interesting when we talk about you know based on the 2016 census, the gender pay gap for racialized women. So for Black women, it was a 44% gap. South Asian women, 51%, Chinese, 44%, Latin American, 52%, Arab, 58%, Japanese, 33%, West Asian, 59%, and Indigenous, 24%. So this was taken from the government site. Take that as you will. Um, And I think one thing that I thought was interesting in the reporting was that they talked about the difference and the importance of comparing hourly wage versus annual earning. And they said that it's more accurate to compare compensation of labor per hour versus annually because of this discrepancies that we see, right? So they're taking the mean and accounting for super high, obviously, and super low um, you know, wages because that's gonna skew the data. And talking about hourly work for you value. Because when we're saying, okay, well, here's your annual income and I'm working the same job as you and you're working the same job as me. We're saying, well, okay, the numbers aren't matching up. I don't get it. Like, no, no, no. Look at the hourly. And here you even have a province being like, hey, we're going to put in this legislation called the Pay Equity Act. This legislation was effective as of August 31st, 2021. So last summer, which was three years after the legislation was unveiled, which I think is kind of interesting um, when legislations take a long time. Obviously, I didn't take poli-sci, uh, like I didn't major in that, so can't really chat, chat too much. But one thing I can say is that it is just weird to me that pushing legislation and making change takes so much effort and work. We literally live in a system that almost forces you to stay, um, Down because it takes so long for things to happen. Oh, you want like change for the health sector? Well, we're gonna have to pass it through a million people and verify this and verify that. And maybe in three years we can like start the conversation. Oh, you wanna be paid fairly? Okay, well, we're gonna have to talk to a bunch of people, make a bunch of legislations, drafts, have it sent in, taken away, sent back, figured out. And maybe, maybe you can like start being paid regularly. So basically, federally, employers will be regulated and have to identify and correct any pay disparities within their workforce. So this basically means that we're gonna see these effects in like the banking industry, air travel, railroad, crown corporations, etc. But they're making it mandatory for companies to review their workforce, right? And in this, it will result in equal pay for equal work and equal value like to talk about some other thing. I heard about this a long time ago. I think I watched a documentary with my family about it, but I thought that this was a great episode to talk about the glass ceiling. It's a metaphor. It's talking about the invisible barrier that prevents certain individuals from being promoted to managerial and executive level positions within an organization or industry, right? So often used to describe women and racialize women's experience in male dominated workforce. So the term was originally coined by Marilyn London in 1978, where she was a speaker for the women's exposition in New York, right? This was a panel. And she talked about the barriers that keep women from advancing further in their fields and careers. And it isn't actually until contemporary times, so like now, that really the term was expanded to include racialized women's experience. Um, which I think is always funny when we say, you know, we're fighting for equality, we're fighting for certain rights, and you always have to say, like, who? Okay, you said women, but you, what are you doing for women on whole because all women aren't the same, therefore your bandage or your solution can't be a one-size-fits-all. And so when we're saying, well, women are experiencing, you know, barriers in the workplace, well, how do we fix these barriers? What barriers are we talking about exactly? In 2021, and this is a US stat, women made up 56.8% of the workforce, but they only held 29.1% of chief executive positions. Here we are with numbers that aren't making sense to me because they don't make sense. How are you making up half of the workforce, over half really, and you're not holding the same, like those numbers don't match in the positions, in high level positions, that doesn't make sense right? And of these executive roles, 85.7% of them are white males. What? Women are making up 56% of the workforce, but 857 white males are filling CEO, executive chief, and whatnot positions? Hmm. Anyway, with one term comes another. I came across a new term. I never heard of this before, but the glass cliff. So this term was coined by Michelle Ryan and Alexander Heslem in 2005. So they're researchers for the University of Exeter. They were trying to figure out what is going on. Women in this case with the glass cliff were being promoted in times of crisis, right? So yes, women were breaking the barrier and getting into these executive positions, but they were failing. In fact, they were almost expected to fail because of their precarious positions. Right? So let's pick someone. This is what these companies were thinking. Let's pick someone that's not our status quo, that isn't our regular type, and we're literally gonna send them to the wolves. Our company is struggling and we need a new direction. Hmm, let's pick a woman, right? She'll save us, she'll clean up our corporate issue and figure it out. So basically, the researchers looked at about a hundred companies listed on the London Stock Exchange and observed those firms before and after men and women board members were brought on so what they found is that during these periods of overall stock market decline firms that brought in women onto their board were more likely to experience constant bad performance in the preceding five months than those who brought on men right so research shows that when people they're asking their survey groups you know who should be the CEO of a company it was seen that when a man was succeeding at a company they were like hire more men right? A man should be chosen for a CEO. But when the man wasn't successful, they suggested women. And I think that's interesting that it was like, okay, well, if a man can't do this, I guess a woman could. Instead of thinking about what are the qualifications and what is needed for this job in itself to succeed. I think we're all at the point where we understand that people have different skill levels and that like It's about people and less about the genitalia and like what's between your legs. Um, We're worried about, I don't know, what's in people's minds. Anyway, all that to say that the gender pay gap is real. Um, And maybe this is a little more nuanced. um, So that if somebody asks you, the gender pay gap, it's not real. Why are women just, women should take jobs that pay them more. And we're not thinking about the ways that like women sometimes don't get promoted because, oh, she's going to have a child. Oh, she's going to have to get off for mat leave. Let's pick somebody who's loyal and like reliable. Oh, you have kids you have to run home to? I don't know if she's going to be reliable because she's got her kids to take care of. You know what I mean? It's a nuanced conversation. First of all, the data is already telling us that like they're not we're not being paid the same. But on top of that, if you have kids, you're definitely not being paid the same. Um, and on top of that, it's not even like you're doing less work. It's not like, oh, she's getting paid less money. She's just doing less things. Babes is running home to all her unpaid labor. Um, so the next time your mom does your laundry, cooks you a dinner, maybe hug her a little extra tight, okay? Feel for her a little bit because um, it's rough times out here and them paychecks ain't cutting it. Well... That was this week's episode thank you so much for listening and i hope you enjoy make sure to follow us on our socials that's Sprout on instagram and twitter b-l-c-k-s-p-r-o-u-t make sure to join the newsletter please i want more newsletter well i don't really have a name for you guys yet but whatever i need some new newsletter babies i want more people to read my newsletters okay i put them out and I grow my audience hello And as always, interact with the podcast, okay? I love it when you guys message me. I have some of my regulars always message me and send me their thoughts about my podcast. I actually love it for a couple of reasons. It helps me know what to improve. It helps me know what to keep. And it helps me know what you guys like, what people are getting, what they're not getting. Guys, I literally am chatting in my room. As far as I'm concerned, everything I say makes sense. You need to tell me when I'm not making sense, um, or challenge me, you know, like I said, this episode came about because somebody was challenging my opinions and thoughts about the gender wage gap and it prompted me for more research and to maybe have a clearer explanation for what I think and what I believe slash what research is literally telling us anyway. My DMs are open. That's all I'm trying to tell you. Slide in. Hit me up. (laughs) Anyway, stay tuned for the next one. Bye.